I'm Father Dennis Strack. And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. Yeah. Now, Father, where are you coming from? I am in Santa Monica, California, where I live. Um, I just had the 930 Mass that was live streamed. And then we have a communion procession, um, which is a nice way of saying we have drive-up communion. <laughs> <laughs> so we invite people to go to Mass online and then come in their cars and receive communion. We get about 300, pe- 300 cars that come through. Oh, that's great. Um, and yeah, so... And what's, what's brought you to Santa Monica? Because I know you're uh, a priest of the Holy Cross congregation. I am. Uh, actually, there's been Holy Cross priests here since the 1996. Okay. I initially came when I, my order sent me to film school. I went to film school at Loyola Marinop, and then I stayed when I was given the position at Family Theater Productions. Okay. Well, can I ask, did you want to go to film school? Or? You know, I, I had been working in internal ministries. I was in religious formation for eight years, two years at Notre Dame, and then I was six years at the Novitiate. And I, I had really been interested in Catholic communication. In college, I was on a campus radio station. Even as far back as grade school and high school, I did freelance photography for newspapers. I was a stringer um, for newspapers. So I was always interested in media. And I, when I joined Holy Cross, I thought I'd just put that aside. But I came, became more and more convinced that the moving visual image was what was going to change people's hearts in the future. And so I started going to Catholic media conventions, even while I was working in religious formation. So from the mid-90s on, I started going to things that there was a lot about new evangelization with Pope John Paul II around the, the turn of the millennia. So all that's percolating. And then when I finished, they said, what do you want to do next? And I prayed about it and I really, I asked if I could, I could study communication and kind of looked at different directions to do that. And it seemed to me that both if I wanted to teach or if I wanted to um, be, in, be in, the, in the trenches on the, on the front lines to go a production route would be best. So I, I made a proposal and I asked, oh, I'm shaking the table here. I asked if I could go to film school and they said yes. And I had some options, but I, lo- I really liked Loyola Marymount. It was a great place for me, one of the top 10 film schools in the country. And um, I really thought I'd teach uh, after that. But um, I started a family theater and got involved in the work here. And we've come a long way with that in the, the time since I've been there. That's beautiful. David, for our listeners who maybe are unfamiliar, could you tell us a little bit about Family Theater Productions? You're working right now as the national director, correct? I am. I'm national director and head of production. Family Theater Productions is a media company that was founded by Venerable Father Patrick Payton, CSC, in 1947. And Father Payton founded this. The first media work that we did was in radio. He had a national radio show on the mutual broadcasting system uh, from 1947 until 1968. It was a weekly show. There were radio plays, and each week they'd, they'd have big stars come and be part of these radio plays. And um, they were lovely. They were all about family and, you know, and sort of dramas about, about bringing family together. In, that, in the 50s, he started doing television and film and did that through 50s and 60s. Had kind of a lull in the 70s. We, we, and in the 80s, he did some huge television specials. Uh, they were seasonal, like one for Easter, one for Christmas, and big stars like uh, 
Princess Grace's last appearance on film was with Family Theater. Grace Kelly, yeah. Oh my gosh, wow. When the freshman at Notre Dame, uh, they had a special uh, concert by Bob Newhart, the comedian Bob Newhart. And that was part of that, that was part of one of Father Peyton's specials. That was one of the first places I ever saw Father Peyton. I didn't know who he was at the time. So anyway, fast forward, the, the Catholic communication world changes dramatically. Uh, first with cable and then with the rise of the internet. So family theater has morphed with it and the kinds of media that we create has changed over the years. Right now, family theater uh, is, has one, one part of our work is feature work. And by that, I mean a television and film, for television, the big screen or for internet. The second would be short format content um, for families. Mm-hmm you know, YouTube, YouTube style content. We have a couple series in that domain. And then we have a, a very modest um, a ministry of an outreach to Hollywood. And we just try to be supportive of people of faith who are working in the industry, you know, who, who want to meet other people with a, who, are, who take faith seriously in the, making the decisions that they make about which projects they get involved with, what kinds of things that they do. So those are the three main things that we do right now. Mm-hmm. Brother David, we'd like to dive more deeply into who Patrick Payton was, what his legacy is today. Maybe just to remind just a little bit to the comment you just made, you know, the first time you, you came to know uh, this priest uh, of Holy Cross. Maybe take us back. How did you, how did you first learn about uh, Venerable, well, then Father Pat- Patrick Payton? Well, we've all probably been impacted by Father Payton in some way, um, if you, you know the phrase, finish the phrase, the family that prays together. Stays together. <laughs> you, everyone knows that. Well, that's a phrase that was developed by Father Peyton and his team. That was the tagline of our radio show. And so that was massively, it, it, Father Peyton ended up being a huge figure in mid-century Catholicism. And, um, and it was because he, he really believed that the family was the domestic church and that the family was one of the most important units um, for church, for society, but most importantly for the souls of people, that people feel connected to others and love. And what helped people connect to others and connect to God and love was prayer. And, and not just individuals praying, like each of the ind- members of the family praying, but in the individuals praying together. Um, Father Peyton uh, went during Vatican II, Father Peyton flew to Rome and lobbied cardinals to include the phrase domestic church in the Vatican II documents, and it ultimately ended up, it ultimately ended up in the Vatican II documents um, because of his lobbying and the support of other people. So that is background. When I, to tell you the truth, I really didn't know who he was. I did not grow up uh, in a place where I ever attended one of his rallies, or I'd never seen one of his TV shows. Uh, So I saw him at that one concert in 1980 at Notre Dame, Fast forward when I was in the seminary, I was in the seminary in the late eighties and I was sitting in the Moreau dining room and uh, it was, it was at lunch and it was crowded and Father Peyton walked in with two other priests on one on either side of him and the people at the table I was at just stopped talking and they all, they all looked over and then people started to get up and, and, and go over to him. And I, I sense such a sense of gravitas about this man um, he felt, I, it's wrong to say that he felt important, but there was something that, it's like you couldn't, you had to, you had to look at him. You kind of had to, 
he, he was the presence of the room. So I went in and introduced myself and I, I, I was moved by the, moved by it. He died a few years later and I remember his funeral. But then when I started looking at Catholic media, kind of looking at the history and where people were and where things were going, uh, I realized that um, Father Peyton had had a huge impact in the, what I call the golden era of Catholic media. And I, and then I, but I also believed with the, the organizations that Father had, had left to the world and the resources that he had left to the world meant that there was, there was still a lot more to do with Father Peyton's message about prayer, message about bringing people to faith. And uh, there was more to do with family theater. So, and then since I've started to work family theater, I've gotten to know him quite well. When I got to family theater and I started working there in 1988, there, or I'm sorry, 2008, that's when mm -hmm. I graduated from film school. And we had, it's a, we're right on Sunset Boulevard. If you ever want to find the way to family theater and you're driving west down Sunset Boulevard, look for the, the strip club on the, 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 on the one side that says Seventh Vale. And on the other side, there's a billboard that says the family that prays together stays together. And we're under the billboard. Wow. So that's the good place we're in. We've been there since 1947. Somebody gave Father Peyton the property then. Uh, but um, when I first got there, we had a room we called the vault. And it had all of Father Peyton's television and radio, about a thousand episodes of radio, about, you know, two or 300 TV shows. And... Uh, and then we had so much footage of Father Peyton at rallies and interviews and all these things that, of him. And we, I started to digitize them little by little. When I got there, nothing was, we didn't have a single thing digitized in 2008. Now we have almost everything digitized. But started to digitize and I realized some of the stuff he said seemed so relevant. He was, even, you know, in the, in the 40s and 50s, he was concerned about what, how the family was under such pressure. Um, and what, the, what, what did the family need to stay strong together, to be resilient and to have, you know, the full benefits of faith. So we started digitizing more and more. And then um, when Father Peyton's cause for sainthood started to advance uh, and he was um, declared venerable, it was looking like he was going to be declared venerable. Then we really said, let's do something with this. So I found this incredible filmmaker. Her name's Megan Harrington. I don't know if you ever saw the, the, the film, The Dating Project. Mm -hmm. Family Theater had a little part in that. Well, Megan was the, produ the main producer on that. She's a great woman of faith, an incredible storyteller. Well, we brought her on board and she, you know, she put together a team that brought, the, made it, brought him to life. And with, uh, with the film, we, wa we wanted to tell his story, the historical story of Father Patrick Payton, CSC, but we also wanted to show people how the message that he preached, which sometimes sound, sounds a little bit outdated and a little bit naive, how that message still mm -hmm. was, was, was really, could be such a gift to families today if they could take it to heart. Yeah. Well, you said, I mean, I, I wish I knew more about him. I've, I've got access to the documentary. Somebody sent me, you know, I have the, and I watched about half of it the other day with my husband. Um, and it's, it sparked a lot of conversation between he and I about our three-year-old and, and, you know, like we of course pray together as a family. It's a huge priority. She knows her prayers, just like she knows her ABCs, but 
but it, it sparked another conversation about media and like media consumption and the things that we watch and the things that we let her watch. I mean, I know right now, kind of in the zeitgeist of Catholic parenting, and I'm seeing it all over Facebook and Twitter is this conversation about canceling Netflix because of certain things that, that they are seemingly promoting and that they've created um, all the way to like, you should only ever let your children watch something that's from a Catholic media source. Maybe, and this is not necessarily the direction that I thought this conversation would go, but I just, we have you, you're a filmmaker, you're in Hollywood, you know the ins and outs of this world. What would be a piece of advice you'd give to a parent like me with a toddler or parents of teens who are trying to discern kind of the line between, I don't wanna hide my children from the world, but like, I also wanna protect their innocence and that they, you know, preserve their faith. How can we discern how to walk those lines? It's a great question. And I hear parents talking about it all the time. I think it's different for toddlers than for teens. So let's mm -hmm. start with toddlers. The first thing I think, first of all, you're doing something, you did something great. You had a conversation about it. So both, you know, both parents are involved in, in helping to make a decision. Second of all, I think parents have to know their children mm -hmm. and they have to know whether, what their child can handle. Uh, like, like even Chronicles of Narnia, um, I had a friend whose daughter was terrified by that film. And, you know, just cause she wasn't, you know, she, you know, she's, you know, by some of the, the strange characters and things mm -hmm. in it. So you, it, people really have to know their children. And then if you can find, um, if you can find a reviewer or you can find a website or a blog of somebody that thinks like you has, has similar values as, as that you have so that you have some place to go. The, the ideal thing I think is to watch everything before your kid watches it. Mm -hmm. But um, to get ideas of where to go for that is to, you know, pick, you know, pick people. And then likewise, if you find something that um, is really good to figure out ways of sharing it. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the things that will help get that kind of media made is if they get an audience. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's really hard to get, um, it's, I'll tell you, it's really hard to get a, a, a G-rated product made. Mm -hmm. because people don't believe there's an audience. If you, if we spread the word about things that are good so that it gets more of an audience, then people believe and there'll be more of it produced. Mm. Uh, um, Hollywood, people demonize Hollywood and there's, there's lots of things here that make them vulnerable, you know, that they deserve it. But <laughs> on the other hand, a lot of Hollywood really are business people mm -hmm. and they, they're trying to, make a living they're trying they're trying to they're trying to sell something and if they know something sells they'll make it if we can as we as consumers of media uh support things that we like and support our values they'll make more of it and it, it the the fact of that is borne out in the kinds of films that you've seen unplanned um the uh it just went on ahead the film about mercy mm -hmm. uh, that just uh, not just mercy although that's a great film but there's other films that have come out lately that really are supportive of Christian values. With teens, what I would say is, if you find that there's something in the teen world that's really big, watch it. As a parent, really, really watch it so that you can talk about it intelligently and you can ask questions about it. So when Twilight series came out, you know the. I, I live in a parish that is a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school. And I'm seeing kids walking around with mm -hmm. a 700 page book. And they, and I said something to, about the, about it to one of the young women. And she said, Oh yeah, I read it over the weekend. And I thought you read a 700 page book over the weekend. 
what's that? So I read it. Now, did, was that book, you know, strictly going to support Catholic teaching? No. But what it did was it made it so you could have a conversation about it. So you could say, well, this is what the book kind of shows. How does that, how does that hold up to this? And so that you can, you can talk intelligently about it and, and be involved with it. So you, that as the culture is trying to shape, you're also shaping by the kinds of questions and things that, that we get involved with. Yeah, that was something my parents always did. Like when I wanted to read Harry Potter, two copies were purchased and they read it and then I got to read it. And then it was around the dinner table and we'd go see the movies together. And, and even now as an adult, my mom will be like, hey, what are you reading? And we'll, we'll do book club together. Um, Isn't that but, a wonderful way to do it too? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, it really does kind of tie into the, the family that prays together, the family that watches together, that reads together. That's that togetherness that Father Peyton really pushed and promoted that, that seems to be the anchor. Because we know as the family goes, so goes the world. So if the family that consumes media together is able to then have conversations about that, you know, maybe that consumption of media is not as detrimental as people just automatically think. Um, that and it also equips the the child for when you're not there yeah that when you know when they're choosing their own media or when their friends bring something or whatever they have the internal resources mm. to, to not just respond with the crowd but may, there may be something that in them that will say well it, yeah i like this but what about this mm -hmm. and questions mm -hmm. about it yeah yeah just wrapping up with the the idea that that patrick payton his cause for canonization is moving forward and he is a venerable, maybe just sharing a little bit about with, uh, about um, in, in his own journey, what is the church recognizing uh, of his virtue? You know, he must, we, we, we discuss a little bit about uh, his vision of the domestic church and uh, how that played a big part of, of Vatican II, um, Vatican II documents. Um, maybe what is the church recognizing um, within him as, as these areas of virtue, um, these places where, um, where God's charity and love have been seen uh, in his life? Great question. You know, when, when somebody goes through the formal process of, of, of looking at their holiness, looking at the possibility of them being canonized, the first step is they, they look at their life on earth. They look at everything they've written and everything they've said. So that had been going on for a while. We presented a, what's called a positio, which is sort of a summary of, the findings, over about 200 people were interviewed who'd known Father Peyton, worked with Father Peyton. We collected everything that he had written and, and, and we, it was a summary. The Positio was 400 pages and that was presented in Rome a few years ago. So, and, and that they wanna say is what's the contribution that the person made during their life? And during Father Peyton's life, um, we estimate that he was seen by over 28 million people at, in in-person events. and. The, for a while, he was in the Guinness Book of World Records, or there was some kind of world record before John Paul II. Um, he was probably the person that had been seen more in person than anybody else in history because of the rallies. He did, he did hundreds of rallies. And uh, the last rally he did, for example, was in Manila in 1987, and there were 2 million people there. So he had this power to gather people. But it wasn't just about the rally. It was to reinforce this message about family prayer and especially uh, praying to Jesus through Mary, it, you know, praying, coming to Jesus through the woman that knew him first and loved him most through her eyes and heart. So he, it's great to boast. The other thing about Father Peyton was 
he is so single-minded. I, I mean, he 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 just really didn't stray very much from that message ever. I mean, it, it's remarkable. You know, it's so easy in the ministry to get caught up with this or caught up with that thing and uh, or or distractions. But Father Peyton really, his whole life from the time he was a young priest, um, he what he was really driven because he felt called uh, to promote family prayer. Uh, he's routinely quoted by every Pope is, has mentioned his name and quoted him. So, you know, it, that kind of, that, that kind of single heartedness still pushes. And then while he was alive, there's a number of people who um, felt a closeness to Father Peyton who talked about his pastoral care for them. And while he was alive, there's a number of people that if they were here, they'd tell you a story where they claim that a miracle happened for them or their family because of the prayers of Father Peyton. Mm. The film that we have coming out, Pray the Story of Father Patrick Peyton, we found one of these families, the Leonard family in Albany, New York, and they tell this, this really powerful story of how Father Peyton, again, is a very young priest, had, had been part of their family at a very difficult time, and, and it, something happened that they consider uh, to be miraculous. So you look at that, and then afterwards, you say, okay, well, that's where they live, but are there signs that of the person's holiness? And usually the signs are manifest through healings after the person has died. And we have had hundreds of people, again, write into us that they've received or, or graces have come that, from what they believe is the intercession of Father Peyton. And then there's been a few of those cases that we've, we've passed on to authorities for investigation. And so some of those cases... We can't say that they're miracles, but something happened and it's being investigated now. But it was investigated on the diocesan level and then now is at, in the uh, Congregation for the Saints to look at um, uh, the church, to see if the church will recognize it as, as, as a miracle. Now for our listeners who want to know, know more about Venerable uh, Patrick Payton, maybe what are the best resources? I mean, you mentioned the new film. Um, sure. Where can they find some more information on him and perhaps even view the film? Sure. Well, um, first of all, Ave Maria Press just uh, reissued his autobiography. It's called All for Her, and that's available through Ave Maria Press. It's a it's something that he wrote, and then he did several edition updates with it. There's a new introduction to it. So that's a great way to hear about Father Peyton from his mouth. And the thing is, even though it was written fairly early in his career, he didn't change. I mean, his message really was... <laughs> was so single-hearted that you get who Father Peyton was through that. So that that would be if you want to read something. The, the movie is coming out in theaters on October 9th. Now, we prayed about it. We thought about it. We had a lot of options. And, you know, some of the, in some areas of the country, they're not going to be able to see the film on October 9th because the theaters will still be closed. But some they will. And more and more theaters are opening. They, you know, they have safety standards in place and all of that. And there was something through our prayer where we said, wouldn't it be great if the first movie that people saw after going back into a movie theater was Pray the Story of Patrick Payton? Wouldn't it be great if at least they had the option of the other films that were in the Cinemark or the, or the Regal Theater um, to have the option to watch this film? So we're going to open in, in about 25, 30 uh, theaters on the 9th of October. See how it goes. We may go to more. And then it will be av available digitally in January of 2021. But I know it's gonna be at a theater in South Bend. 
Uh, so if anybody's watching from South Bend, it'll, there'll be a theater, South Bend, Mishawaka. There's one in New Orleans, uh, Katie, but I don't know that there's one in, in Lake Charles, but. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm lucky. I have, I have access. Um, oh, yeah, that's but, right. But the, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I am friends with ODB Films who I know were involved. Oh yeah. With. They're help. They're um, a partner of ours. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and then I, um, I've just been thrilled to see that it's kind of, it's starting to pop up on my Facebook and I'm starting to see more news and hopefully this podcast helps boost its signal as well. Um, I'm definitely excited because, I mean, like you said, Catholic media and and non-cheesy Christian stuff is so important um, to really not just only advance the idea that like, well, Christians have a space in the media world, like we shouldn't just be shoved to the side and have to hide by ourselves, but you know, who knows whose heart could be changed? They they walk into the theater to, to they want to go see a superhero movie and it's sold out and instead they get to go see this. Um, or they choose to see this because the Holy Spirit prompts them to. Like, I, th- I think that's a really beautiful opportunity. It's what Father Peyton would have wanted. It was. And, you know, Father Peyton was famous. Uh, Father Peyton was absolutely unapologetic about his faith or, or his devotion to Mary or, uh, you know, to being a Catholic priest. And, you know, he would go to some really unlikely people and they ended up, being supporters of his. And I felt like that was working through the movie. Frankly, this is a film, it's about a, you know, a Catholic priest. And, and we thought, you know, our core audience is gonna be Catholics and that's just fine. But we started doing test screenings um, about nine months ago. You started testing it with, you know, sales agents, distributors, they loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we've, we, we had a major studio, um, television studio, look at it and they, they, they ended up not taking it, but just the fact that, that, you know, they, they took two weeks to discern it and, and, you know, uh, back and forth. And uh, the other, the, the young man who was the director, this an incredible filmmaker named John Sippity. He's from, he's from a evangelical background, but we've done some things with John and, you know, he's got a great eye, the cinematography in the film. I hope you, I hope you find it as beautiful as we do. But um, at the, you know, John was just so taken up with Father Peyton and also sort of felt like he, he understood the rosary in a whole different way. And at the end of it, he, there was a poster that we had in one of the shots and uh, it, they were mass produced. We had a bunch of them. And he asked if he could have one of the posters of Father Peyton for one of his rallies. And I, and I gave it to him as a gift and he has it on his, on his wall. So it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how Father Peyton's appeal could be broader. And, you know, I think if people sit and watch it, they won't be sorry that they did. And that mm-hmm. it, it's really a hopeful story. Um, you know, Dennis, I don't know if you found this in Holy Cross or Katie and you're kind of, uh, you know, coming across Holy Cross people as I feel like one of our charisms is sort of that, um, that we can, we, we, we can accommodate a lot of people <laughs> that we, we have some of the most conservative and some of the most progressive people in our, in our order. And, and we, we get along somehow and father Peyton sort of walked the line and never got, never let those things become the important things. The important thing was Jesus Christ and bringing people to him through, through prayer. And that, and all the other stuff was just there, you know, mm-hmm. all the other stuff was just there. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's, that's kind of the perfect way to, to conclude that the story is one of hope and that it accommodates a lot of people. We end every podcast with our guests uh, by asking a simple question. What's a reason for your hope this week? Um, so, so why are you hopeful 
this week, Father. I'll let I'll let other fathers start, and then we'll come back to you because we kind of sprung that on you. I didn't warn you. Okay. I've been thinking about Our Lady of Sorrows in this month that uh, the congregation celebrates that feast day, which um, she's our patroness. And so I'm thinking about Our Lady today in a particular way with Father Peyton. I'm just thinking about um, the challenging uh, mission that we have in Holy Cross, but certainly all of us have uh, to speak and to be witnesses of hope in the midst of the crosses we face, in the midst of the crosses of our lives. So with uh, particular things happening here on campus, but also mindful of uh, wildfires and natural disasters, rebuilding, continuing to rebuild from Hurricane Laura, those who are uh, suffering, um, but even just those who are isolated here on campus in quarantine, uh, those who are in need of hope. Um, just praying in a particular way with Our Lady of Sorrows and uh, maybe can encourage listeners to do the same. Uh, it's a great, it's a really beautiful devotion, um, not just to sit in sorrow, but to find, to find the presence of God in the midst of it, uh, God's grace unfolding in the midst of the difficulties that we're encountering. So I'm hopeful that uh, Claire starts sleeping a little more um, and that as we all settle kind of back into home, um, that we, we hit our family routine and take on Father Peyton's, you know, pray together, stay together, because we need that with a whole new family member in the house. Um, Father, Father David, what about you? I'm really hopeful that in the midst of what everyone, I think everybody is suffering to some level or other right now. But in that, um, the suffering that we share, that we, that we find some sense of solidarity and, and that also that people look, I'm hopeful for the resurrections that could come from all of this. Um, I'm really hopeful. I, I'm at a parish that has a really active live stream internet presence. And um, the, the number, I, I have a friend who does social media and if you look at the number of people who've gone to a religious website in the last three months, it's incredibly high. He even told me that in April, he believed that more people went to a religious service than in the history of the United States, but it was just online. So I think all of this is making, is, is making all of us reach, reach for hope, reach for resources. And in that common reaching, I think, I think there's great hope of what we could find together. Amen. Well, Father, thank you for your time. Um, what website should folks go to to learn more about you and uh, Family Theater Company? You can find it all if you go to the website for the film, praythefilm.com, praythefilm.com. Excellent. We'll have that down in the show notes. Thanks for your time, Father. Thank you. Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press, you can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and, and grateful um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.